Hello, and welcome back to the Vagabond Actors Podcast, where three acting teachers based in Europe discuss the business and the craft of acting. My name is Brian Casp. Uh, I'm based in Prague, and I'm joined, as always, by my fellow teachers, Gary Condes from London. Hello, Gary. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? I'm great. Good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Getting back into the swing of things. It's the autumn, the leaves are falling. Yes. The fall, the weather's starting to ebb away. I love when the seasons change. So, yeah. Good. Yeah, that's great. And my third compatriot is Andrea Helene, joining us from Mallorca. Hey, Andrea, how are hey, you? Hey, Brian. I'm good. Also enjoying the uh, the. The slight transition into the autumn season. I've been reading some really funny things and seeing some really funny things about people's aversion to sort of like the anti-pumpkin latte movement and and a lot of ironic writing about it all. So it's actually kind of fun. So I have a bit of a smile on my face about it, but I do love the season. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so we are tonight going to be continuing our discussion about script analysis. We're working through, in a detailed way, but we're working through the fourth scene from the play Proof, which you can find the scene. We'll have a link to it in our show notes. If you haven't listened to the first episode in this series, definitely uh, go take a listen. It was last week. We can also include a link to that in the show notes. But um, yeah, so we're working through that and we'll get to that in a little bit, but I wanted to hear what you guys have been up to artistically uh, or in the business this week. So uh, Gary, what have you, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, it's been a, an interesting week, actually. Um, things are starting to pick up with the one-to-one coaching and I've had a particular job come in, which has been taking up most of my time. And it's um, coaching a client of mine on a film about the fake news and the internet tampering that led up to the U.S. election that landed Trump in the White House. Oh, in, yes, in 2016, stroke 17. It's set in one of the Balkan countries. And it's um, about these teenagers and college kids who found a way of making money from creating fake news. So, yeah, I've been working on that. And the, the, the co-lead role that my client is playing is um, she's a teacher to these kids and she gets involved uh, along the line. So a very interesting project. And, and the main thing or the main task, if you like, um, in coaching is to try and build this bridge of uh, playing this woman who has had her ambitions of leaving this small town thwarted and getting dragged into the possibility of making money in this way. So, yeah, interesting. Mm. Cool. That sounds really Mm. nice. I mean, the topic is definitely one that's close to a lot of people's hearts. But um, what about you, Andrea? How, what have you been up to in terms of your professional life this past week? Well, um, I've been working on the agency hunt a bit, uh, finding representation here in Europe and also continuing to uh, register with the casting sites here. And also taught my second class since arriving, which was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. A small, small group, but a lot of fun. So, you know, guys, we can, even with a small group, we can make two and a half, three hours go by and cover a lot of ground. So that's what I'm trying to do. So talk about value for the money. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so, um, so that was a lot of fun. Great. Yeah. And then doing some writing probably too. I think it's time to do some writing and a little, a little um, change of season time for reflection and planning. Yeah. Mm. It, it starts to drive you a bit more inwards, doesn't it? Yes. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's the, the, the onset mm-hmm. of autumn into winter. Yeah. Fantastic. Yes. What about you, Brian? Well, I have had um, some interesting self-tapes to do the last Mm. week. I had one self-tape where I had to do a scene in Czech and then do it also in English with a Czech accent. And that was really fun working on that and getting the accent as close as I could to native. I have had feedback that I'm not, I do not sound like a native when I speak Czech, which I guess is expected. But at the same time, I think I got pretty close and that was a really fun audition to work on. And then I auditioned, I did an audition where I, I didn't have to play the piano during it, 
but it was an audition for a piano player. And mm. I just started messing around with the idea. They said in, in the casting brief, they said, well, if you can take a picture of yourself pretending to sit at a piano, or if you have a piano, sit at the piano to show what your posture is like, then please send that along. And I have a <laughs> keyboard. And so I thought, well, I could do that. And then I started playing around with, well, what if, what if I'm actually playing during this audition? And then I found a piece of music that fit really well, I think, with what the subject matter of the of the piece was. Mm -hmm. It was almost like a recitative in a way where mm -hmm. I would, I linked certain passages of the text with certain passages of the music and it fit really, really well, it seemed. I, I don't know if I'm going to book that part or not. And frankly, I mean, of course I care, but I think if I didn't book it, it doesn't diminish the fun and the joy that I had of doing that audition. So... So, so I'll, I'll add that. that Brian shared that, that video with us and it was beautiful. And I'd love to know, Brian, how much time you had to prepare that and, um, and engage in, in the preparation specifically for the piano piece. Um, I got the audition on a Friday mm -hmm. and I had to turn it in on a Monday mm -hmm. and I recorded the piece on Sunday and then I came home and my wife had a different idea for a different angle that I could do because I had shot with my friend, with my actor friend, I had shot it from like basically front on. And my wife, because I had been playing it for her and kind of like showing her, but she, the way that the piano was set up in our house, she, I was kind of looking off to the side at her instead of looking straight ahead. And she really liked the fact that there was something kind of like looking off camera left and then looking across the lens to to camera right to talk to the interviewer that I was being interviewed by. And so we shot it again on Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then I shot again on Monday morning because I had some more time and I wanted to get the piano playing better or the connection better or something like that. And I actually used one of the takes from Sunday afternoon because I think the acting was was really good. Although the end of the piano playing kind of, I kind of messed it up. And so it just fades out at the end. It doesn't, I don't actually finish the piece the way I had originally planned, but it still works out quite nicely. So I had a, I had a few days to do it. Nice. That's interesting because I mean, you know, this goes all the way back to, I think mm -hmm. our second or yeah. second episode um, yes. on self-tapes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I know we're itching to get on to the second part of script analysis, but I just want to, I just got a question actually is yeah. um, just to clarify, because as Andrea said, we, you know, you showed it us. And uh, again, it's a good thing to, to put out there and discuss just briefly with our, for our listeners is, did they ask you, was that part of the brief to play the piano or was that a choice that you made in order to enliven it? They did not ask for okay. it. Excellent. They said, send a picture of you either pretending to sit at a piano or actually sitting at a piano so that we can see what you look like. And I just was thinking about it and thought, well, I, I think this would work. And then I thought, oh, this piece might really work. And then it really did work. And then I thought, well, I'm going to shoot it and send it to them. But I also did a version of the audition where I wasn't playing the piano at all. And I was just speaking which is in a more close shot. It's more of a traditional self-tape frame, which is a little bit more close because with the, with the shots of the piano, I wanted to get my hands in so you could see my hands and my face. And that means that it's going to be wider. And so you're not going to get as much of my facial expression as you would if it was just set up to be like a, a medium close-up. Right. So what you would in a normal audition. So I sent both tapes. Actually. Right. So what you're saying is, is, you did the brief as as was requested and um, is sort of a classical way of you do the speech and, uh, you know, face on, as you said. And then this was a choice that you made. And, you know, I think it's a this is a good example of what is a bold choice for me mm -hmm. um, when you are making a creative choice off your own back. But it mm -hmm. still fits so nicely with what they're asking that... Um, it's only going to enhance again, whether you're right or not, or whether they're, what they're looking for is an, is another matter right. that to do with what you've chosen to do. So I just think it's a really good instance, what you've described mm -hmm. there of a bold choice and a creative choice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
um, which really, you know, keys them in to, it's almost like you've, you've got the job and it's like you've turned up to do it. Yeah. Interestingly, in the scene, he has this kind of monologue. Basically, it's an interview, but the interviewer doesn't really appear very much within those four pages or whatever that it's kind of spread out over. But at the end of that interview, he does start playing the piano. And so it's not completely foreign that there would be piano playing, but it doesn't start at the beginning of the speech as I did it. Right. But it, I think it is a choice that not many people will make. If, if at all. And, and I just yeah. think it's a good example of, you know what, here's an opportunity because it's not something you've made completely out of fantasy. They've asked to see right. you in front of a piano mm-hmm. and what you've done is just extended it and made it alive and you've added you've added the speech and you've put, done a bit, bit of piano playing, which this character is. This character is a very good piano player. It's his part of his character. And, yeah. you know, it's like... It, it it's got to be something like okay, well, I like him. He's he's he understands. You're showing that you understand who this person is, or at least you're giving a very strong point version yeah. of who this person is. Yeah, and, you know, you could live and die by the sword, don't you? Your creative sword, and I think that's I think that's exemplary. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, I, and, and I think that part of it is that because I don't know if I'm right for what they think, part of the choice is to say, I'm going to do this and have and do my own version and have kind of fun with it and make it an artistic experience for myself. If I book the job, that will be an additional part of my artistic experience. But if I just did the speech and didn't have this experience of like incorporating the text and then practicing it and and feeling like how good it feels to kind of be artistic in that way, then I would have lost out, I think. Even if it's not how they see it, it still is a valid artistic experience for me just to sit and do that work. Right. Which which is really, I think that's... That's how I want my auditions to go. Well, that's you know? the holy grail of not taping and auditioning. You're killing yeah. birds with one stone. One, you're supplying the audition material, and judge me on that as you will. Mm-hmm. And two, yeah. you're turning it into a creative experience where you're actually creating something uh, as an artist, as an actor, um, which is what you are, and we don't get enough opportunities to do that, most of us, as right. we'd like. So it's like an artist sketching or it's like a writer writing and then, you know, and it's out there in the ether. You yeah, know, it's that's right. honoring your creative impulse. That's <laughs> right. And another part of it, so there's the there's the fulfilling the brief and trying to do the best or most interesting version of the brief that you can. There is the artistic experience of, I'm going to use this time and this opportunity to have an artistic experience. And I think a third element to it, when you do that, you start to take ownership over the auditions in a way that just trying to fulfill the brief Mm -hmm. gives them power. And so by saying, no, I'm going to do this my way. Mm -hmm. In future auditions, it will it will give me more of a license to say, yeah, you know what? I know that this was the brief, but I think this is going to be a way of me expressing the brief in my own way that is going to be maybe more truthful to to how I see this mm-hmm. this um, this character or this circumstance. Mm-hmm. So I think it gives. I think by by playing with it in that way, it actually gives me. It, it reinforces in me a sense of freedom with which to approach self-tapes and auditions, which I think is really valuable. Mm-hmm. Right. Practice, it feeds the monster, the creative urge. It's kind of, yeah. it's like there's, you know, there's no gaps. It's ongoing and as it should be. Yeah. <sighs> and I can't share it with any of you out there. So you just have to imagine me playing the piano. <laughs> um, so on that note, maybe let's turn our attention to scene four of Proof. We join the discussion in, uh, I think we're getting coffee is where we're, we're getting it. So, uh, so let's get back into this digging into this text. This episode of the Vagabond Actors Podcast is brought to you by our friends at We Audition. Now look, we all know that auditioning in a pandemic sucks. You can't find the right partner, and if you do find the right partner, how are you going to connect with them in real time and have the read be seamless? Well, We Audition can help with that. 
They make it easy to find a partner and they take care of all of the technical stuff so that you can focus on what really matters, your audition and being awesome. Not only does We Audition allow you to find partners that can help you really kick ass, you can be a partner that helps other people really kick ass and get paid for it. There's other really great benefits to being a We Audition member you can have one-on-ones with top casting directors, you can get career advice from industry professionals, and a lot more. Right now, We Audition is offering a discount on membership to Vagabond Actors listeners when you sign up with the promo code VAGABOND25. So just go to weaudition.com, click on sign up, then click on the link where it says promo code. Put VAGABOND25 in the box and you'll get 25% off your membership. Now, back to the show. I really love the attention that that we all feel needs to be paid to what the gems are in the script and sussing those things out and letting that be a real guide rather than trying to, as you say, Gary, impose something on top of it that doesn't exist. It's so important for actors to get that. And um, I love the way I love the way you feel strongly about the coffee moments, you know. (laughs) That really jumps out at you. I can tell that. And so you as a, as an actor would, would absolutely make those moments very clear because you see the, the rhythm in it. You see the insistence in it. You see the changing of the, of the subject in, in those little lines and would do something with that. That's the actor's problem then, right? What do you do with that creatively and clearly? Um, so then we move on to, you know, no, the, the rejection of the coffee and then... Catherine, again, starting in, it's no trouble. It's just like effort number three, really, as you say. Maybe the interpretation is, could you just have the coffee? And then we'll see you again another time. Right. I'm sorry to butt in there, Andrea, but I just want to make the point of, if you've got an idea or a clarity about what you might want as Catherine in this scene from Claire, Mm -hmm. then it's going to illuminate a lot of lines for you Mm -hmm. and you're going to have have it as a touchstone so it's no trouble you want your coffee you know and it's great that you appreciate that sort of forensic attachment to two things because it's all there for the taking but what i'm saying is is if you've got an idea maybe however however general maybe you know you can sketch it out and you can always change as you go along of what Mm -hmm. what catherine's objective which we said is perhaps Mm -hmm. You know, I'd like you to maybe move along and just leave me to my life and leave, basically. Then it's no trouble has resonance. Yes. And then the next line is telling as well, right? Claire says, hold on a sec, Katie. So there is an action or an energetic movement that Catherine is clearly making that Claire wants to put a stop to. Right. Just just hold on. We need to to talk to you. Please don't try and get rid of me so quickly. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. I just dot, dot, dot. We love our ellipses. Claire takes a breath. In this case, certainly the playwright is laying out there that there's a decision being made about what to do and how to do it by Claire. I'm leaving soon. I, you know, you you said, I know. So she, she's gearing herself up here. And again, you know, how do you go about doing this? And there's a number of ways it can come out of you. But the playwright's letting us know this is not easy. There's an, there's an intention behind it. And Claire is really trying to get her footing here at this moment. Right. I'd still like you to come to New York. So now we're in this next section, you know, we've got it where we've had a beat change, however you like to speak of it. We're in this next section where she's getting very clear. I want you to come to New York. Even if you didn't pick up on the it's no trouble and the starting in, mm-hmm. the fact that the I, she just start. I'm leaving soon, I dash. Yes. You said, I know, right? Very concise two-word sentences yeah. that she cuts give off, right? you that kind of energy of mm-hmm. starting in, of that maybe it's excitement, maybe it's frustration, whatever, whatever choice you're going to make at that point, but there's certainly a kind of energy to that. Mm-hmm. where she's butting in, she's starting in. <laughs> it's nice to get to the next page, but also you can get the feeling of starting in from the next line that Catherine has. Yeah. You said, I know, right? And, and, and you're making, uh, you know, the point we've, we, we've, we've said it, um, but I think it bears, it bears repeating. It's with a well-written script, the punctuation can be extremely important to look at. So maybe you're, 
your personal approach to the work is that you try to ignore punctuation for purposes of learning dialogue, to get a feeling for it, to put your own stamp on something, to, to not be married to somebody else's idea of what, you know, what, what your character has to say or do. But in, in what we're talking about right now, you, without question, should be taking a good look at that punctuation. It's, it's, it's intentional and it's, it's offering clues. And so, as you said, even that dash, I dash, you said, I know, is very clear. Yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, and this is a really good lesson for um, just this little bit, because I've been in classes where it's like, fuck the punctuation, be free, <laughs> don't impose anything, let it come out of the moment. And obviously, the moment is important. And well, that's all you've got. But there are certain demands that a really good writer, which this is, is intelligent enough to be able to help you with. And just like with a piece of music, there are notes there to be played. And I think it's a really good point that you both make that it's there. These are as much part of the actor's technique as any sort of emotional work, physical work, behavioral work, because it creates behavior. And to dismiss punctuation or at least to be not conscious of it and then make a decision from that is uh is a dereliction of duty as far as i'm concerned for an actor but also i think we're you know the people at the stage when you're performing it you shouldn't be thinking about the punctuation because that work the the clues that the punctuation leads you to in terms of what is the meaning of what's happening and what are the actions that are implied by this by the punctuation or by the the sentence structure should already be a part of your performance by the time you're performing it. So if you're thinking, ah, in two words, uh, Catherine's going to butt in because I have a dash here and you're going to play that punctuation, then you're, then you shouldn't be thinking about the punctuation at that point. (laughs) Right. But when you're, when you're analyzing the script, you, if you miss it, you're going to miss the clues. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, you know, but the same, you're absolutely right. And it goes for the, for everything, not just punctuation. You, you do your conscious work and then you leave it alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and let it go. And let it and go. Remember, and, and remember, it's meant to be performed. Right. It, right. You know, there, there are people who pick up Eugene O'Neill plays and read them for fun, but they tend to be people in the performing arts. You know, these were, re- these are really meant to be brought to life by performers. And so right. these are, this is our shorthand. This is sort of our, this is part of our musical notation That's uh, right. between, between a writer and, and the actor and the director. And, and I've heard acting teachers say, don't get bogged down by descriptions, adjectives, like surprised or tearful. And I agree. Those things are telling you how you should be and are prescriptive. But that's not what we're talking about. And I think what happens is is that gets lumped into everything. And then it's like, okay, well, I don't know. I'm going to be free with everything. And it's like, well, surprised isn't really a clue. It's just a suggestion. Whereas Mm -hmm. this is a clue that needs to be given attention to and played. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, let's get to page. Let's, yes, get, let's, page, let's get to page thirty-seven. Finally. <laughs> okay, so Claire is now laying out the plan. I would still like you to come to New York. Yes, in January. Right, that's the understanding. I'd like you to move to New York. I mean, Catherine is not making it easy on Claire at this moment. Uh, Claire has got to be very determined with this and I'm sure it's going to be impacting each bit of effort that is required is, is probably going to be snowballing in her emotionally as well. Um, would you think about it for me? Oh man, for me, that kills me. I got to tell you (laughs) for me, um, I have a lot of feeling about that, and and I bet most most actresses playing the role of Catherine would have a point of view about the way that's put to her. Well, given to, everything the, that she's done for her father, Catherine's point of view about the sacrifices that she has made to care for the father, and now Claire is playing the guilt card. She's uh, she. There's a strategy here. 
And right. I think it's going to pinch. It's, it, I think it's going to pinch most actresses playing Catherine. Then she says, mm-hmm. you could stay with me and Mitch at first. There's plenty of room. Then you could get your own place. I've already scouted some apartments for you. Really cute places. Oh, man. She hasn't even mentioned it until now. And she's been scouting apartments. And she has the whole plan worked out. So she's just revealed her actions. And poor Catherine, blindsided by this. What would I do yeah. in New York? And now, what are you doing here? Oh, 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 oh. Now, she, now she's absolutely going to be putting Catherine in defensive position. So it's so critical that you're developing your point of view uh, towards every character in these relationships so that when these things are tossed to you by your acting partners, boy, it's just, it lands. It has to land somewhere. Do you hear my dog in the background? Yeah. Well, it obviously right. agrees. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, listen to my mom. He's also, yeah. he's also fired up. Yeah. I think he's been to some of your uh, scene study breakdown. Uh, <laughs> totally. Um, he's like, I mean, back one, off, Claire. One, <laughs> one thing I, I just like to point out as well is just going back on Claire's, you know, what do you think yeah. about it for me? You could stay with me and Mitch at first. There's plenty of room. Then you could get your own place. I've scouted some apartments for you, really cute places. Now, absolutely everything you said there, there's there's a tactical thing going on, and you know, she's pulling on the old heartstrings possibly or just putting it over to her. But, you know, I've already scouted some apartments for you. For me, you know, that's a bit of an in to who Claire is. She gets things yes. done. Very you know. true. Very true. So, Again, there's penetration that is needed here to really get an get an angle on things. Um, really, you know, read and read and reread, and and what does it mean? What does that mean? What does? Why is she saying that? Well, she's being very practical, right? It's a practicality. There's not a ton of sentimentality or even um, empathy to what uh, Catherine has gone through, right? Right. Okay, this chapter is done. Now we're moving on to the next thing. I've already yeah. done the groundwork. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's borne out as the more you go through the scene. That just increases yeah. snowballs, and you're absolutely yeah. right. Very yeah. practical. And, you know, that's her. <laughs> that's her essence, if you like. Yeah. Um, which maybe you wouldn't, if you're coming to this fresh, you wouldn't know that so much at this stage of coming to the scene uh, for the first time. But by the end of it, if you don't, then you need to look again. <laughs> right, right. Which is also another important point. You know, as you as you work your way through a scene and beats change and things are revealed, I think it's very important in that first read-through to go back, to go back, yeah. find it, loop back around and go, oh, my God, but we were just here. Now, let me take a look again at how she did that. Like, we're going to come up to the section where she reveals, you know, a bigger part of her plan that's already in, in action. And, uh-huh. and absolutely, in the first read through this, that would take me back to where we've just been. And, oh, my God, now, how did she go about? She knows this thing. It's, she, hasn't, she hasn't opened the conversation with it. She's opened the conversation with, come to New York. Oh my God, you'd be so much happier. It's such cute places. We're going to make it easy. You'd love it. Mm-hmm. You know, now I, I, as an actor, want to go back and look at how she's gone about doing that and make some further choices with the insight that, that comes to me. So don't be afraid to loop back into something and let each piece inform the other, you know? Right. Yeah. It's like a kaleidoscopic tube. The colors overlap each other. Okay, cool. Yeah. So let's see, Catherine, what would I do in New York? What are you doing here? Little arrow. What are you doing here? Really? (laughs) You're not Mm -hmm. doing anything is what she's really saying. You're not doing anything. Right. Yeah. Catherine, I live here. Oh boy. Here we go. You could do whatever you want. You could work. You could go to school. Catherine, I don't know, Claire. This is pretty major. Claire, I realize that. That's all she says. I realize that. 
maybe she thinks she's got her thinking about it and there's a chance that she'll say yes. <laughs> but it's interesting now, Catherine has a bit more dialogue than she has previously. Yes. I know you mean well. I'm just not sure what I want to do. I mean, to be honest, she's become she's more candid yeah. than she has been up until this point. Yes. And quite honest and heartfelt. I do feel a little confused. I'm tired. Now, whichever way you play this, mm-hmm. and whether you are playing antagonism from the with her sister from the outset or not, there is definitely, you know, I feel a little confused. I'm tired. It's been a pretty weird couple of years. She's stating her case here. She really is trying yeah. to level with her on a certain in a certain way. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's important for the actress playing Claire to take a look at. If you now have Catherine at this point of sharing this a more intimate thought in a more trusting way, that tells me if I'm if I'm playing the role of Claire, that I've got to go about it in a way to earn that trust. I've got to go about this so I can bring Catherine organically to that point where it's not a fight yet. She just says, I, I don't know. I'm really, I'm, God, I'm so tired and I'm confused. I think I need some time to think this thing through, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, whereas Catherine sort of softens, if you like, or offers mm-hmm. herself. Mm-hmm. Claire continues on the same line. Well, you could do yeah. that in New York. Yeah. But it would be much easier for you to get set up in an apartment in New York. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Oh my god. Well, she's it does. Also, you could see how she is because of this practicality. How long has Claire been living with this ask? Mhm. Right. Right? Mhm. If she's already been scouting apartments and thinking about this and living with this. Mm-hmm. And now she's about to leave. Mhm. And I just I just need to talk to you about this one thing. Now, she, right? She's <laughs> she's not going to let it go. She's well, not she going to go. It, no, she can't. But if yeah. even in in light of Catherine's honesty or vulnerability in the, in that uh, little speech, she's like, okay, I hear that, but at the same time, you also need to hear what I'm saying, which is that you could do all of that stuff. None of that stuff requires you being here in the middle of nowhere, basically. Right. In a way, from Claire's standpoint, it's a negotiation. Right. But also that it's, she's not going to be put off by Claire being sentimental about where she is. No, it's mm-hmm. one track. She's got a one yeah. track, practical, yeah. officious mind. She's, she's mm-hmm. on it. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. and this is leading up to a particular bombshell. <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. And, and maybe, maybe that's part of it. Yes, there's... You could right. say that is character influenced, if you like, that there's this practicality about her. It's in the writing, the way she's going about addressing this. But also maybe the ticking bomb that is perhaps ticking inside of her is also mm-hmm. stealing her up to behave in this way. Yeah. yeah. Because she knows what she's de- who she's dealing with. Mm-hmm. So there's a combination of those two things, perhaps. Mm-hmm. perhaps. I think also when, she, when Claire says... I don't know. This is my feeling about it. Maybe you feel differently about it. But I but I think that when Clara says, it would be much easier for me to get you set up in an apartment in New York, I, I think she's betraying a little bit the, the bigger picture of how she worries about Catherine's mental state and that oh, she's responsible for setting her up somewhere else, right? It's just a little, it's a little bit of a tell that Catherine doesn't really catch yet, but that, that we see and we hear. And when you're talking about looping back, mm-hmm. that loops back quite well with, would you think about it for me? Yeah. Because Claire's looking at it from her own perspective. Yes. And what is going to be easier for me is going to be if you are, stay with us. Mm-hmm. I can get you set up in an apartment in New right. York. Right. Where you're safe. That's going to be easier for me. Where you're well, we don't know about that yet, but yeah, basically. Well, but, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's coming. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's coming. And then again, Catherine, we have that big dash. Catherine cuts off Claire. I don't need an apartment. I'll stay in the house. Boom, We're selling the house. Beat. Yeah. Beat. What? We dash 
I'm selling it. So the dash meaning she has to correct herself, right? Yeah. And be honest, I'm selling it. Catherine, all capitals, when? And practically, all caps, like an exclamation point, in general, denote more energy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be shouted, mm-hmm. but it has to have more energy than the what. Such an important point that you make. I think we see this often, don't we? That when they see when when actors see capital letters, they think it has to be shouted, and sometimes they create that even when it, that's not organically where they've been in the moments yeah. leading up to that. It could be quieter. Yeah, but there's an sure. emphasis, isn't there? Yeah. There's an emphasis. There's an energy to it. Yes. That those all caps um, create. Yes. The point of view. It's very very strong. Yeah. Claire, I'm hoping to do the paperwork this week. I know it seems sudden. Uh, Yeah, you think? Catherine, putting it together now. No one was here looking at the place. Who are you selling it to? Claire, the university. They've wanted the block for years. Catherine, all caps. I live here. This is a heartbreaking section to me a little bit. Yeah. This this moves me. And another thing, as you pointed out, it's heartbreaking and it's getting to her, but it's also when, question, emphasis. No one was here looking at the place. As you said, Andrea, she's putting it together. Who are you selling it to? The university. So there's this real sense, there's an opportunity here for the actress to be discombobulated by this. Um, you know, I often see it in, in class where they're, they're, they already know it's a bad thing rather than processing it in a difficult way. It says it there. No one was here looking at the place. Who are you selling? Yeah. To? Completely blindsided. Blindsided. There's an opportunity yeah. there. It doesn't yeah. go when I live here. Yeah. <laughs> it goes, hold on a minute. But the whole, and as you quite rightly said, I love the phrasing, she's putting it together. And that, mm. you know, you know, there, if you want a reality of doing, then, you know, yes. there you go. There's yeah. a doing there, putting it together, putting, piecing yes. the puzzle together or whatever you want to call it, you know. Yes. And that takes care of that. So, And you also get in that section, you get a real sense of, and that, and it just reaffirms, I've already scouted some apartments for you, which is that kind of efficiency and being in charge and maybe even being used to being listened to, Mm -hmm. you kind of get a flavor of that. Mm -hmm. The real differences between the two of them, that Catherine is living in a place unaware that the rug is about to be pulled out from under her. And Catherine has had this whole thing lined up that really speaks in this section already to the to the power dynamic between them. Mm-hmm. And then she has the audacity to say, honey. Oh, I know. That gets me too. <laughs> yeah. That gets me too. But it, it, you know, I mean, when I say audacity, that's from, a, from an outside uh, <laughs> a, a spectator's <laughs> point of view, not uh, a judging character, which you, you should never do. Point of never view. judge a character. Never judge, but... <laughs> You know, and it, and it loops back, you know, there's that phrase, loop back, loops back mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what you were saying about Katie. You know, she refers mm-hmm. to her as Katie for the first time yeah. in this scene, a bit more informal and fam- familiar, whereas here, honey, she's now, you know, and that's also something that, you know, a mother says to a daughter. Yeah, It's something that someone who's in power says to someone who's not in power. Mm-hmm. Mother to daughter right. or higher status person to lower status person. Right. Well, we know this as parents, don't we, Brian? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't usually call right? my sons honey, but I, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, it's that moment of I'm, I'm not going to change my mind. I'm just right. going to help you understand the reality that you're living in. Um, yeah. There will be I'm no more. There'll be this. no more popcorn for tonight. Yeah. Right. Honey, exactly. honey, we're done with the popcorn. I'm not negotiating with you anymore. Honey. Yeah. And yes, Turn the so certainly, TV off <laughs> and go and brush your teeth. Yes. So you're right. There's a, there is a power dynamic at play here. Absolutely. And the choice of words, again, is very specific by our playwright. And now, and now she's got her arguments lined up, doesn't she? Now they come out, all the reasons why they need to sell. Now that dad's gone, it doesn't make sense. 
It's in bad shape. It costs a fortune to heat. It's time to let it go. Mitch agrees it's a very smart move. We're lucky. We have a great offer. I mean, this is all, this comes out fairly. It's a list. It's a list. Exactly. It's a list that she's already had in her brain of all the reasons why, why she's going to make it okay. And why she, why she's resolved that this is the right decision. And again, it's all practical. It's a very smart move. It's all practical. It's not sentimental at all. No. In fact, it's the opposite of sentimental. Now dad's gone now. Now we can sell it. But it's also, you know, again, we don't have to sort of prescribe how to play it, but there's an opportunity here of, you know, you're painting a positive picture of, from, from Claire's point of view of all the, of why it's a good thing to sell. You know, yeah. it's in a, it's in bad shape. It costs a fortune. You know, we can't afford it. Yeah. And, she's uh, right. Smart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's not, it's not sentimental, but she's right. It is right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's positive. It's a good thing. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. you know, shows her point of view. Uh, one of the things that often happens in a repetition exercise, which I think is one of the beautiful things about doing theater or, or scenes is that both viewpoints can be right Mm -hmm. and you can agree with both viewpoints and they can be at odds with each other. And Mm -hmm. the tension between that is, is really delicious. Yes. Yeah. And so that, that speaks to, you know, the, the actor's commitment to that doing to do it as Mm -hmm. well as depending on the kind of character it is and how it's written for you. Are you a good negotiator or are you a poor negotiator? Right. Where is the love in this relationship? How much of it is done a certain way because you truly, at the core of it, worry about her mental stability and love her. And this is your way of showing love is to, is to just take control of the situation. You know, all of these questions are to be engaged by the actor. And I think in conversation with the director and, and in your rehearsal period, you know, um, yeah. but, but always to find a way to commit to what that action is of, of this section. And so if, we, if we're going to determine for this section here, she's negotiating the terms and she's laying out the list, then, then give over to that with, with the nuances that you come up with in terms of what really her heart is in this. But don't back away from it because you judge, because you judge that maybe Catherine is more right than Claire in this. If you're playing Claire, commit to that, right? Yeah, that's the fatal flaw of why you should never judge your character Mm -hmm. is because if you judge them and you think they're wrong, you will never commit as fully as you need to, Mm -hmm. to actually try and win your argument because the other actor probably is going to be committed fully. And the better the actor they are, the more fully committed they are to being right. And you, if you work with good enough actors, you will lose that argument Mm -hmm. and then the scene will be out of balance. Great point. So, Catherine, oh, we're at the bottom of the page, you guys. Good job. Catherine <laughs> says, where am I supposed to live? New tactic coming up soon. Claire says, come to New York. Catherine, I can't believe this. Claire, again, it'll be so good. You deserve a change. And then I think in a way, this new tactic, this would be a whole new adventure for you. Mm-hmm. Catherine, why are you doing this? Now it's getting personal. Claire, I want to help. By kicking me out of my house, it was my house too. You haven't lived here for years. So now we're into something new. How would you describe this new section, you guys? Well, it's interesting, uh, Catherine, from where am I supposed to live? The, her next four lines, three of them are questions. Mm-hmm. So where am I supposed to live? So just picking out Catherine's lines. And I often, uh, I teach this, but I often get people to pick out just their lines because it's, it's sometimes it's a nice little trick where you can, sometimes you can't see the wood for the trees. And it, sometimes mm. it's, if you just pick out your lines, you get a sense of the flow of your intention, even though it's dependent on a ping pong with what you're getting from the other character, obviously. Sometimes yeah. it's just nice to lift it out. So mm-hmm. you look at Catherine, you go, where Where am I supposed to live? I can't believe this. Why are you doing this? By kicking me out of my house. So there's a sense, whereas we were saying earlier that 
there's a sense of she's processing what's going on. She's mm. now stepped up a bit and there's a lot of questioning going on and there's something going on in her mind and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of imbalanced and she's, you know, a lot of questions. There's an, uh, an incredulous not able to understand sort of sensibility about it. I'm not saying she you have to be in tears yet or you have to I'm not saying I'm not suggesting how you play, but there's definitely she's discombobulated big time. Mm-hmm. By purely for me the questions. And the nature of the questions is pointing directly in that direction. She doesn't have any of the answers. <laughs> No. She can't believe it. I mean, to, well, she's been blindsided. She's been completely blindsided. How long has Claire yeah. been here? How long has Claire been at the house? She's, she's, she's done she the dress. Yeah. She's done the dress. She's been here. She's done the funeral. She's done the whole thing. And now she's revealing that she's had this whole other plan going on. I mean, what kind of a fool has she been making out of Catherine? Right. But also, you know, live house. Why are you doing this? It's, yes. uh, you know, and again, if you understand where Catherine is at with her life, yes, she's on the back end of her father's funeral, but there is also an opening into a new life that is happening for her. Yeah. yeah. And and her having this house to herself mm. is her first possibility of independence. Mm. And that is now, she really has started to compute that yeah. the one thing she really desires in her life right now and needs the most is being Threatened. ripped from under her. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell that lack of stability. Mm-hmm. You could even say like, she's finally got the stability that she needs. And now Catherine has just come in and rocked it. Right. Clear. Yeah. And so she's groping around for right. where is the solid ground that I can land on here. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What is going to be under my feet? Where am I supposed to live? Yeah. Which, if you look at the other side, come to New York. It, it'll be so good. You deserve a change. You know, she's also, Claire is also responding to this confusion and, 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 and feeling of, of, of um, everything falling apart. I want to help. It was my house too. So, you know, there's a real, I don't know, I get a sense and the way I, I start to visualize it just from reading it is, you know, someone's starting to lose their mind a bit because of what we've just said. And the other one's trying to kind of hold on to them a little bit, you know, come to New York. It'll be good. You deserve a change. There's a reason why she's saying this. Her lines aren't so long. I want to help. It was my house too, you know, rather than it being combative, who knows, but yeah. And again, even in, you know, even in that simple that simple line from Claire, it was my house too. You know, there's a world that can, that can exist in that, in that line. And there's a world of, of homework that an actress can put into understanding that. Right. Making that so specific and understanding the conflict that she may feel about the childhood that she's had there and how she feels about it and the, the position that she now finds herself in. And, and, and as we'll and come to, to learn what that. she's done to maintain it. Yes, exactly. I mean, she has a stake in the house as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. You she, know, she's been the uh, sensible working. Right. She's been providing. Yeah. yeah. And this is where it starts to get historical. The next sequence where yeah. it's, to now (laughs) they start to come clean about their resentments. Yes. I'm just suggesting that a line like it was my house, there's the possibility from the actor's standpoint that the bigger moments in the scene are the ones that you're going to aim your rehearsals towards. And they're the ones that if you're, if you're auditioning with a scene like this, that that you're paying special attention to, and yet there are all of these other in-between moments that are really gems. And if you can add depth and understanding and specificity to those moments, hmm. um, you're going to blow people away. And if you're doing this as a stage play and you're getting up there every night or every weekend and doing this, and you've planted some internal emotional seeds for yourself around that, then you don't have to you don't have to work so hard, then a line like this comes up and it's like a gift for you that you get to, to bring all of that emotional homework 
to bear in this moment when you have to defend. This was my house too. Everything that right. that that you feel about it can 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 exist there for you as a, as an actor. And so so don't don't whether, um, don't pass it def- up just because it's not capitalized. Absolutely, right. and it's historical. I mean, it's historical. Yeah, it was my house too. So there's got to be an emotion. There's, there's it's emotionally laden because it's historical. And you're absolutely right. You've got to plug that in. And whether mm-hmm. you are defending it or whether you are trying to placate her with some mm-hmm. kind of reaching out, depending on the moment or how you want to yeah. play it in the moment, it still yeah. is loaded with, as you say, that significant emotional history. Yes. And you might, and this is not, this is moving towards performance, but if you've done, this is the great thing about script analysis and really breaking down a script and internalizing it in the way we're talking about, because if you've done that work, then when it comes to saying, if you're playing Claire, when it comes to saying that line, it was my house too, you, the only work that you have to do is to listen to Catherine say, by kicking me out of my house. Mm -hmm. And as soon as she says, my house, all of that will come rushing out. And you pretty much, you don't even have to decide Mm -hmm. how you're going to say it or what you're wanting in that moment. All you have to do is feel what you're feeling and say those words. It was my house too. And all of that work will come out of you. Right. It's when the- And that's the beauty of it. It's when your Mm. preparation meets the moments. That's right. Yes. I love the way you say that, and you're exactly right. That's exactly what we're talking about. And it can be so beautiful. Because if you try to play that moment as an actor, yes. if you try to play It Was My House too, and you try and play all of the history, you probably will overblow it. Mm-hmm. It'll probably be too heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it really is a delicate thing to just listen and let out how you feel about it. Yeah, it'll be you're making a point rather than having a response. Exactly. Mm. Okay. So it continues. Catherine, you haven't lived here for years. Claire, I know that. You were on your own. I really regret that, Katie. Catherine, (laughs) don't. Oh. (laughs) I really regret that, Katie. I love that line. That's it. hard. That's a little. That's a little bit of a challenge for the actors playing Claire. That's a little bit of a challenge. You got to really. That's yeah. loaded. That's loaded, and it can go a lot of different yeah. ways. Um, but I, guess, I believe. Her. I think. I think. I believe her. I believe she does regret it. I think so too. But it's you know um, you were talking about earlier, Andrea, finding yeah. the love, and I think yeah. if you're going to find the love in the scene, then she yeah. has to regret. It. I agree. Just doesn't want it doesn't mean she isn't going to be um, pragmatic and one track mind and take control, you know, because that's who she is. Mm-hmm. But also the beauty of the tension of her relationship with her is going to be able to uh, allow this sort of interplay between how I feel about you and what I've done in the past and what I need to happen now because of what I want and who I need and why I need it. Yes. And, out here, you're right. As an audience, we're going, oh, you manoeuvrer, you know. You, yeah. You know, absolutely. But if we're going to find the love, which is probably the most interesting way to play it because it's more complex and layered, mm-hmm. then I really yeah. regret that, Katie. It's true. You, yeah. Take her for I think her. it's sincere. Absolutely. However, I also think that because she didn't start with this, I was just talking with an actor today. Um, we were looking at a script for a project that he's about to shoot. And I said, you know, we have to remind ourselves sometimes when we're talking about being spontaneous in our work, that we don't know how the conversation's going to end. And we you sort of have to remind yourself that maybe I could just say this one thing. I could solve the problem of the scene and we don't have to talk anymore. Right. The hope that it'll be done with. Claire didn't intend to get to this point in this conversation, right? She started somewhere entirely different. You know, I'm leaving. Gosh, I really want you to come to New York. You could have this amazing life there. And then she was sort of forced to say, we're selling the house. Like she, she's lost a little bit of control over how this conversation is going. And, and clearly Catherine is in an emotional, reactive and upset state right now. 
So that's, that's why I think it's a little tricky. I really regret that. And I agree with you, Gary, I think commit to, to that having real resonance. Um, but you're, you're not necessarily winning the argument at this point. You're up against the wall a little bit, you know? Yeah. And even if you decide to play her disingenuous and power crazy and, you know, lean on that side of things where she is disingenuous, even, you know, I really regret that Katie, she can still, in her terms, still mean it. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. she might not be. She might be a bit further away from the scale of Gandhi. She might be in the opposite end mm-hmm. of the spectrum from Gandhi. If you're playing it like that, but but in in her skewed way, she may even believe that she really regrets it. So you know, you've got a whole scope there. We may not believe it. Catherine may not believe it. You may even play it disingenuously because of who you are but how it comes out and how you decide to play her, you know, sharp, controlling or whatever. But somewhere, Claire believes it. (laughs) I think it's interesting that for these two lines, I think, of Claire's, and especially it's informed by how Catherine responds to it, don't, right? Mm -hmm. So that that gives you a feeling that there's, there's not a trust there Right. That this is not maybe coming from or not being received as a genuine reaching out. That's... But I just wanted to, as a contrast, to look, you know, if you look back up at page 37, I know you mean well. When Catherine says, I know you mean well, I'm just not sure what I want to do. I'm tired. It's been a weird couple of years. Mm. We, in a, we looking at that section, didn't doubt for a second that mm-hmm. that was what she felt. Yes. that that was a vulnerability. And the reason why I actually laughed and and said, I love that when Claire says, you know, you were on your own. I know you were on your own. I really regret that, Katie, right? I, I know I let you down. I feel awful about it. Now I'm trying to help, right? It's because those sentiments, I really regret that, are so deep. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if it's not really earned at this mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. In terms of the dialogue, right? Like you're kicking me out of my house. It was my house too, right? That's very adversarial. And then it's a very quick change. I know that you were on your own. I regret it. Now, Mm -hmm. and and again, just like you were saying, Gary, I'm not saying that the actress shouldn't feel love for her, the sister at that moment. And I think it actually makes it more complex and more, more compelling if she does. But the way that it's structured makes it hard because Mm -hmm. it's so fast. I think what you're pointing out with those two, just those very two sections, the one you just mentioned in 37 and this one, I really regret that Katie don't Catherine's answer is their relationship. That in a nutshell is, is their relationship. We get a sense of how Catherine sees how Claire maneuvers and consents mm. it and knows her and has a button that is pressed. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, for these to work, both of them have to lean into them sincerely. Yeah, that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just, you know, never the twain shall meet. They rub each yeah. other the wrong way. You know, yeah. I really regret that, Katie. Don't. Well, this is the thing that you always fucking do. Yeah. yeah. This is the thing you've done since and you've never really taken me in or you've always bossed me about or mm-hmm. you've never really considered my vulnerability in the way that I wanted you to. So it's mm-hmm. low. Right. You're absolutely right. Though and, and that piece in thirty seven, that little section which you pointed out, it, it reinforces this or this yeah. reinforces that absolutely. And then you get now I'm trying to help. Yeah. Right? I right? You're and right. then and then that's reinforced. Structure, structure. By, yeah. Now, now yeah. Right? and that's of course, oh. by Catherine picking up on that, you want to help now. Mm-hmm. now. So now you're coming to the rescue, riding it on your white horse or whatever, right? Yeah. With these words about regret and feeling awful. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. 
so that was part two of our three parts of dissecting scene four from the play Proof. Like I said, if you would like to follow along with the text, it's up on the show notes. You can get it and you can join us next week for part three and the conclusion of our digging into this scene. So we're looking forward to that. If you have any questions about the scene, if you want to share how you do script analysis or things that we might have missed in our analysis of the scene so far, definitely get in touch. We're at Vagabond Actors on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. You should definitely let us know if you have any questions or comments. Um, And if you want to get in touch with us individually, how can people do that? Gary, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, they can get in touch with me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Um, All the handles are at Gary Condes. Or um, if you want to send me an email via my website, just get on the contact page. And that is Gary Condes. Condes.com. The website page is GaryCondes.com. Great. And Andrea, how can people get in touch with you? I'm on Instagram at AndreaHelene3 and Twitter at Andrea underscore Helene. Great. And I am Brian Casp and I am at Brian Casp on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. If you want to see me, I'm posting a lot of workout videos recently to Instagram. So if you want to see me do some crazy things, Um, in my balancing workout. Go to Instagram and check it out. Do not try them at home. Yeah, they're dangerous. Um, (laughs) But uh, we look forward to seeing all of you next week. So take care and stay safe out there. Thanks, folks. Bye. Thank you. Adios.